Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, we all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Greenball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Groundbuster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at greenballtires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiries. Are you looking for the best suspension technology for your sport ATV? Look no further than Elka Suspension, the industry leader in sport ATV suspension technology. With championship wins in prestigious events such as the Dakar Rally, Score, Best in the Desert, ATV MX, Cross Country, and Works, Elka Suspension has established itself as the go-to choice for athletes and enthusiasts alike. But they don't just stop at ATVs. They're constantly expanding into new markets, including UTVs, trucks, SUVs, pit bikes, snowmobiles, and more. Their commitment to innovation and quality means they're always looking to improve and adapt so you can enjoy a smooth ride wherever you go. Want to learn more about what Elka Suspension can do for you? Visit their website at elkasuspension.com or give them a call at 450-655-4855. They will always be happy to answer your questions and help you find the perfect suspension solution for your needs. Welcome to DBR Racing Products the leader in 3D modeling and innovations. Since 2015, they have been revolutionizing the industry, starting with their groundbreaking YFZ450R battery boxes. But they didn't stop there. They have continued to push the boundaries, constantly improving their design with each new version. In 2018, they introduced the game-changing Vortex EXO cage specifically designed to securely hold the Vortex ECU in a safe and sturdy location. This breakthrough innovation ensures your ECU stays protected even in the toughest racing conditions. At DBR, they understand that every detail matters. That's why they also offer an array of essential products to enhance your racing experience. Their spark plug hold downs keep your engine firing at peak performance while their LTR breather boxes ensure optimal ventilation for your machine. Their LT250 engine skid plates are a must have for those seeking unmatched protection. Engineered to shield your engine from impacts and rough terrain, they provide the ultimate defense for your ATV. But that's not all, they've developed ProPeg mounts that allow you to use TRX450R Nerf bars, giving you greater control and maneuverability on the track. To explore their full range of innovative products and learn more about DBR Racing, 
visit their website at www.dvratv.com. You can also reach them directly at 507-828-1233. Their knowledgeable team is ready to assist you with any questions or inquiries. DVR Racing Products, where innovation meets performance, unleash the power within you. Michael Bird, welcome back to ATV Talk, my brother. Hey, how are you, Lenny? I'm doing great, sir. Thank you for giving us some time. I know that your schedule has just been mad and crazy. Pleasure Valley, Pleasure Valley added workload. Um, you know, you guys are amazing. I don't know how you get it all done. Um, I, I don't know how we get it all done either. And I don't know how we're going to get it done, but there's, we really don't have a choice. We just have to get it done. So that's what we're going to do. Well, you obviously got time off today to come and talk to me, or you'd probably still be at work. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, I, I left maybe 10 after six, but it's, it's seven 40 in my time. So, uh, I'm off for the night. <laughs> boss, man let you go. boss man let you go for the day right i just i wait till he goes to the bathroom then i run out of the building <laughs> oh sounds like my brother oh. <laughs> well mark's a good dude I'm, I'm sure that you guys have a great relationship going there um the one thing that i need to congratulate you on is being picked to go for team usa again congratulations what an honor man what an honor Oh, thank yeah, thank you. Um, I as as when when they released the uh, the team, I was just it, I'm just so excited to go back to Europe. It was it was eye opening. That was my first time going to Europe uh, last year to the Czech Republic, and then um, you know people are telling me I'm gonna like Italy even more, uh, but I don't I don't know that I will. Like I don't. I'm not a city person. Like I liked how rural the the Czech Republic was, um, but I'm sure this will be eye opening. Also, they're all, they're all different countries, so I guess you just you know keep keep an open mind. And oh, you know what? I did I did eat black truffles this past weekend. Uh, I wanted to try them because uh they're over in italy and i tried them i had my first one this weekend and it'll also be the last one i ever have for the rest of my life it was disgusting i don't ever want another one near me so <laughs> i'm having european learning experiences at home too uh well things are different when you're there um i've been to italy a couple times and um i've had uh, fantastic uh experiences Mm -hmm. um the food the people and you know where i was was in the country uh, mm -hmm. and i got to go to milan in the, in the city and and spend some time and some other surrounding areas but it's a, it's a great country and it was some really phenomenal people i think you're gonna love it i really do yeah i'm i'm, I'm really excited uh and i think after briarcliff the next race i think that's when uh we'll I'll be doing like the graphics maybe we'll probably post some pictures and stuff what the bikes are going to look like because i don't even know yet i think i think mark and harv are the only ones that know what the bikes are going to look like so far um but the rider numbers are out it's going to be joel number one bryce number two and chad number three so that's cool 
yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way they broke down last year, right? Uh, no, me and Chad were number two. We were the number two rider last year. Um, but so as far as score-wise, yeah. huh? As far as points earned-wise, that's oh, how it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is, and that's yeah points last year, and that's how they they're lined up this year in series points at the nationals. So, yeah, I mean it's it, it works for me. I don't know about you, but number I, three. I, I don't, Chad could be number number uh, double zero. I wouldn't care. Like let's let's race. Right on, right on. Yeah, I, I think that I think that it's going to be awesome. And you have Kevin Saar over here, who last year ran well over there. And mm-hmm. I don't know about if Randy Naveau is racing much, but I know that Harry Walker's gotten faster. Uh, Dean Dillon looks like he's gotten faster. So I think that you're going to have some uh, really good racing over in Italy. Yeah, yeah, I'd, uh, it's 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 different over there. Um, it's it's but it's also exciting. Like now, kind of when I go to the nationals, I'm like, you know, just another weekend at the track. But that is just it's a, you got the sidecars out there rutting the stuff up, and then and then two lines of ATVs starting. So it's just a lot different than how we. And then the mechanics can't prep the gates over there. So I just kind of stand behind the gating area. And if Chad needs anything, I'll hand it to him. But I'm just watching him prep the gate. And uh, I mean, don't tell him, but he's like a B plus gate prepper. I'm the A plus guy. <laughs> We're not going to tell. We won't we won't let that out. I mean, they'll probably listen ahead of time. So they already know. <laughs> right. OK, good. Oh, dude, you're killing me, Smalls. That, that's pretty that's pretty cool stuff. You know, I got to talk to Jim Hardy and, you know, the fact that you guys are both getting to go over there. I'm so jealous. And it's Mark's, what, sixth time over there? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, second time to Italy. So I I think it's the sixth time. Uh, It's fifth or sixth. Uh, But, yeah, since the inception of the team, I think it was, I think it was Chad and Harv talking about it. And then I think it was, you know, they both wanted Mark to be the team manager. And then once the ball got rolling on the thing, it was, it was a success right off the bat. So uh, it's, it's just good to be, you know, connected to a guy where I get that opportunity. Uh, and that, like all the thank yous that I owe Chad that it, where he's helped me out with my career. Like this is another big one uh, where I probably can't even thank him enough. So. I think that you're, you're thanking him because he's comfortable and relaxed out on the track. He knows that he's well taken care of at the races. And um, that's a huge comfort for a rider. And you provide that for him. Yeah. And you guys mesh well together. Uh-huh. That also helps him because that helps him to relax. If you don't mesh with your mechanic, you're not, you're not going to perform because you're always going to be second guessing things. Right. Yeah. We, well, we, so we did our first motor swap at pleasure Valley. Uh, and it was his first motor swap under the Wiener and motorsports rig. Um, and like, I've been fearing that moment where I'd have to swap mode motors in between first and second moto plus coming off a mud race. So you have to get the bike clean before you can even start going or start, you know, start ripping the motor out. 
plus it's hot. So you want to wash the thing anyway. So I did, I did maybe 80% what I normally wash it, but I knew we had to get a motor out and put a new one in. And uh, we, I, I like worked as fast as I could uh, without messing up. Like I had to make sure that everything was tight. And so we, I get the motor back in and I think we fired it already. And uh, Harv came over and said, hey, we're gonna give everyone an extra 40 minutes before the next moto. And I'm like, 40? Like, I just worked my butt off, Harv. <laughs> like, We're ready now. You could have told me an hour ago so I could have drank some water or something. <laughs> yeah, we were ready to go. Uh, but uh, I'm glad he gave us the extra time because I did double check some of my stuff. Uh, and double check it. That's like the piece of mind I need. So, you know, when Chad's in the air, I'm not thinking, oh, did I tighten that? Because that happens all the time. It's it's natural. You You always worry. Um, and, and I, I especially think you guys worry because in motocross, you know, they, they hit some jumps uh, and they're flying through the air and it's just exciting, but scary all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're high in the air and they're moving, you know, probably 40 mile an hour, maybe more, maybe less, but I mean, the, how fast they're moving, you, you don't want to hit the ground going that fast. I mean, Chad got hurt in Florida and he was probably going 10 mile an hour when he hit the ground and that that's a broken bone so it was a hard impact um, yeah it was was. he needs to i told him he needs to learn how to bail he held on a little too long he could have got a softer landing but uh he he does he does that too he rides things out where i'm like i would have jumped off a long time ago (laughs) uh like in georgia in georgia he he spun out he was fighting for the whole shot and him and someone i think someone tapped his rear wheel and he just started spinning he stayed on a thing and then cody ford made contact with his nerf bar like a t-bone and then chad's going backwards like 20 mile an hour i think he was just holding the clutch in and like the the bike went up in the air going backwards and spun around and he rode the thing all the way out he was in last place but he, he never got off the bike and then he takes off and he got like i think he got third place that race uh which was just wild uh but that's yeah, why they yeah. ride them that's why they ride them and we work on them right right yeah i'm not an expert in in riding them by any means oh dude i'm i'm not either that always wanted that to to lend to somebody else because uh i figured out early on in my racing career that i was a way better mechanic than i was a rider yeah yeah i uh yeah, I never, I never even rode them either. I was, I played ball sports when I was in school when I was younger. Uh, my best friend's, the, he was the quad rider, so I was, I never even got to ride them. I was just straight mechanic the whole time. How about any testing? Do you, do you go out and do any of the test work? You know, like, um, I know you guys probably use a lot of dyno stuff, but you know, we still do old seat of the pants testing where, uh, whether we're depends on what it is is where we do the testing but um i still get to do that uh no i i wrote it on a dyno but like when we get done with quads and mark mark will take them out and test right i'll go out and listen um just just listen to the motor and i'll watch the suspension but mark still rips pretty good yeah i mean he grew up right by pine lake the tt track and 
sometimes when he does a 180 and like he's moving backwards and he drops the clutch and he just takes off going the other way. I, I, I'm just thinking like, why doesn't he go out once a year and race like a 50 plus class or something? Because he, he could probably compete pretty good for three laps, maybe, <laughs> but he should, he rides enough and he's, he's got some talent doing it. He's just been an engineer and mechanic, you know, his whole life. So he's never, you know, besides in his younger twenties, he hasn't raced since then. Yeah. I love the test track at my old shop. You know, you dive into the turn and throw it sideways and drift through the turn. And, you know, you're on one wheel accelerating out of the turn as you're shifting, you know, straightening the machine out. Oh, I loved it, but there were no bumps in it and I wasn't racing. So it was, it was funner and I didn't get tired. Right. Yeah. You can drift in, you drift out and there's no one there to hit. Yeah. You know, I'm not having to pass anybody or I'm not having to do anything crazy. And, you know, we got done building some Lobos to go back East. I mean, we were, we were hours from the trailer driving away. And one of the guys that worked for us at the time was super talented with trials, bicycles, motorcycles, he could ride anything, anything, he could ride anything. Mm -hmm. Great hand-eye coordination, brake control. And he's out there and he does a stoppy on this brand new Lobo that's set up, ready to go back to the Nationals. And he's vertical doing a stoppy on the nose. And my brother, I thought he had a heart attack right there. He lost it. What are you doing? Oh, my God. You freaked out. You know, and I'd already seen him do it, you know, half a dozen times. So I was over it and knew that he had it under control. But it was the first time my brother had seen it. And, and, and uh, it was. Yeah, I just thought that I thought it was over right there. <laughs> Convulsions in his face, veins popping out. I'm like, dude, it's OK. No, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to. Yeah. He's super good talent. I mean, there's no big deal. It's not, it's not that he doesn't, it's, it's what if, well, what if the freaking lightning bolt hit the bike and destroyed it before the race? I mean, come on, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Right. <clears throat> but one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is you are a professional race mechanic. You work in a, in a, one of the most famous ATV shops in the country, uh, probably in the world. And you work on YFC 450Rs. Yeah. And this is a machine that started its life in 2009 and has pretty much now dominates the industry as the machine that you want to race on or ride on. Um, and I just wanted to get your opinion of some of the pluses of the machine um, and some of the things that you know about it that... Uh, so that the listener base, the people that are recreational riders um, can pick up on it. And it's some of the other racers that, uh, not that I want them to switch brands, but, you know, know what they're getting into if they're going to switch to a Yamaha. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the first thing, the first thing that I noticed is the, the, the body position on the bike. If you get off, if you're riding a Honda 450, and you've been doing it for years and you sit on a Yamaha, it's going to feel alien. Like at first, you almost feel like, like you're about to fall over the bars when you switch 
you know, get on a Honda, you, you kind of sit a lot lower on the bike. You feel like more in a cockpit where on a Yamaha, you're kind of sitting up on top of everything. Uh, but uh, the, the biggest plus, you know, when, when everyone started switching from all the Honda riders, when they were switching to the Yamahas, the biggest thing was how planted the bike is through rough stuff. Uh, and, and, and you can definitely see that with the way Joel Hedrick rides now, um, because I see him almost high side every weekend, but he never does. And he is on the throttle and he is moving and that bike just, it, it's planted. I think Baldwin was saying something maybe two weeks ago about, he said, the more he rides them, the more he likes them. Uh, I know when we first switched to Yamaha, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't like that. Yeah, when I say he bleeds red, I'm not talking about just red blood. Like he bleeds Honda, uh, but I think he, I, I think he loves the Yamaha. He won't admit it, but the, him saying that he likes them more and more every time he rides them, like that's saying something, just because of how planted they feel. Uh, and yeah, I, I have to concur with with Mark. I, I'm a diehard Honda guy, uh-huh. but you know. I like the Yamaha more and more and more. The more I get to work on it, the more development that we do with some of the products that, that we use. And man, it's super solid for a machine. If you're going to go buy one, you can't go, you can't go wrong right now. I mean, that's there. There's, I couldn't, I couldn't give you one reason why not to go buy that Yamaha. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a reason that you wouldn't want the new Yamaha and no matter what, no matter what bike you have right now, whether it's an eighties, two fifty R or quadzilla or whatever, uh, or even like the O O five TRX, O six TRX LTR. <laughs> There's no reason <laughs> like they're, 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 they're the correct width. Uh, when we had the stock class at the nationals, if you're racing a Honda that has stock a arms, there's, you got to pick left or right rut. You want to be in because you can't just straddle them both because you'll be swaying back and forth. The Yamaha comes as wide as you need it. Um, the power that down low, the power curve on those things is it's already good out of the box. Uh, yeah, I cannot, other than, uh, you need to shave the seat. Uh, just because if you want something to feel like you're sitting inside the bike a little more, that's that's the only reason that it would feel weird when you first get on them. But the more you ride them, like I said, the more the more you'll you'll love them. There's guys I've seen kids in like a race in the A class on a stock Yamaha leading the races for laps compared to like thirty thousand dollar race machines. So <clears throat> they're they're very good competing bikes. And, and all of the innovation that goes into them from the industry itself, not just Baldwin Motorsports. I'm talking about there's 10 to 12 companies that are building innovative product for that machine. Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of used to seeing the same parts. Like there's not, besides suspension, there's not a lot of difference between 
between Cody Ford, Bryce Ford, Michael Allred, Chad Weenan, uh, Adam Ulrich. There's just, they're, they're all basically the same. I mean, shock lengths are a little bit different. Um, just the, the JB and Walsh arms are just a little bit different, but everyone's basically doing the same thing. Um, and it's not hard to get a lot of power out of those. Uh, it's a little harder to get a lot of power and keep it under sound, but, uh, and then, you know, when we, when, uh, Jaime at PP tuning did the, uh, second injector on Thomas Brown's, uh, race bike. I think it was after Daytona the first year that we were doing Thomas Brown stuff. Uh, that, that was a game changer. I know it, we were at underground and there's a big triple in the middle of that track. And uh, it was it was raining, and Thomas Brown's winning, and he he was the only one clearing that jump with the big tires. And I think he might have been the only Yamaha with the Baldwin motor and the, and the PP tuning with the second injector setup. But no nobody was catching him. Uh, and that was with a weighed down bike, mud all over it, big tires. And Thomas is ripping this huge triple. And even Chad will tell you, like he Chad could not get over that thing. Uh, but that, but now Chad has PP tuning with a second injector too. And that second injector, the power curve on those things is it's, it's pretty good. Well, you guys have had a number of years to develop it. And I mean, that's, that, that goes to the conversation about the development of the machine. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of the similarities in product that you use are the same, but there are companies like ours we don't use the same product that you do right we develop our own mm -hmm. for what we believe is the best way to do it not to say that that anybody's wrong or different in yeah. your little world it's working for you and in our world it's working for us right and well that and i know there's when you go to the nationals though there's freaking 10 different ways or 20 different ways to skin the cat right there in the pits yeah yeah, well, I, I, Tim, uh, TDR, Tim Detling Racing, he he has a second injector kit also, but I was more or less talking about everyone in the in the higher classes will have a second injector. I don't know who how which way they're doing or, or anything like that, but <clears throat> uh, when I said we're all basically doing the same thing, like we're all running pretty right. much the same amount of travel and, you know, this and that, <clears throat> all running the same size tires. They're all different tires, but. We, we all do them a little bit differently and that, well, that's capitalism right there, which is, which is a good thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, all, the, all these companies are just pushing each other. So, and after, after that second injector thing, I, I keep thinking about like, what's next, what's the, what's the next step someone's going to take and make the bike just that much better that someone hasn't thought of yet. Um, do you, do you, do you think that, no, I don't want to get off topic, but do you think that if Yamaha came out with a new model, they would come out with a motorcycle engine in the ATV chassis? Uh, I don't. I don't think you could do that. Um, I mean, they could, but we we have enough power out of these out of these motors right like right now. Um, and then, like, so if you're riding on a mountainside on a in a dirt bike, the bike. You, dirt bikes lean so you can be straight up vertical um 
on a, in a dirt bike riding on a mountainside. But if the mountainside's like this and you're on a four-wheeler, the four-wheelers sit like that too. Um, and that's why you need a big oil sump in the four-wheelers because it'll starve if uh, you know, you're, you're not picking up oil because all the oil's leaning to one side of the bike. That's why four-wheeler motors have to be a little bit different than dirt bike motors. Or you just, if you're running a dirt bike motor, you just have to add a lot more oil. So you're not, you're not starving the thing if you're leaned for a long time. No, no, that's recreational riding. That's not track riding. So if they came out with a, you know, I don't think Yamaha should change a thing until another company beats them. And seeing how nobody's building one, why change it? Like, <laughs> why would you change something that's winning races? Right. And the company doesn't have to do anything different in no. their... And they lay it out. They build the same thing again and again and again. And, you know, they can build their 2030 models now because it's going to be the same. Right. Right. And well, at least they're leaving something for the aftermarket companies. So and that's not a bad thing to have is aftermarket companies getting to sell parts. The Yamaha put out like a yfz 450r chad ween in addition with the second injector and an fmf pipe on it and a kill switch uh well then what the heck am i gonna do <laughs> so they they better not do that and i'm gonna patent that idea so they can't take it no they won't i don't think they would um too many restrictions getting it into the country at that point yeah but that's a whole nother conversation that we could have no, I, I I don't think that they should, because they already can't. You can't buy a 450 Yamaha in California. Really? Yeah. Why not? Big brother. Huh. Well. Ugh. So what? Is the how's the Arizona Yamaha dealerships doing? Great. Are they <laughs> selling everything they can get their hands on? Yeah, I can imagine. Well, what tell you? Doesn't tell you you can't own one. Is because you can't buy one. Wow, oh, right. Because, well, I mean, people are going to buy them anyway. I don't know why they wouldn't just let them get sold so they can make some tax money on them. But it, it's bad governmental management and, yeah. and, and a belief in climate change that's a total lie. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. But the machine itself, if you go from never touching one uh-huh the first time you work on one so you you go from you working on your trx 450r and you start working on a yamaha the first thing out of your mouth well it's not a honda well yeah it's a good thing that it's not a honda because it's different yeah and the 10th time you do a motor swap you're going hey that's nowhere near as hard as i thought it was Right. Yeah. The motors, the motor is heavy, but uh, getting the tank off is easy. It's one bolt to get the tank off, which, which I love. You just slide that bad boy back, unplug the uh, fuel pump and, and, and the tank comes off. Um, but you're talking about, so the first thing, if, if you're going to ride hard though, um, do you guys do the gussets on the, uh, the lower link? Where it hooks or, to the frame or off-road it's not needed we're not breaking the frame there yeah that's that's like the first thing that we tell people like you have to get that done because you, you'll break them but 
Now, I'm coming from where guys are hitting Godzilla and Iron Man Raceway, where if you come up short, you're going to break a frame. Um, but the cool thing about those frames is, like, they just they have them in sections. Like, the top rails, you could just unbolt one and put a new one on. Uh, the bottom steel pan, because only the top's aluminum, the bottom's all steel. Right. You can just, you know, bolt that piece on. And it's kind of cool that you can take your frame apart, powder coat it different colors if you want. You being in California, just rainbow it up and bolt it back together. Easy, uh, easy, easy, Picking a, a scab on your nose with that one. All right. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of cool. It's like, you know, Henry Ford's interchangeable parts with the old Model Ts. Um, <laughs> Yamaha kind of did that with a frame where if it was a Honda, once your frame is done, you just you have to get a new frame. Uh, it's kind of cool that Yamaha's you can just add and add and replace pieces. I um, have pieces that I'm collecting in our shop, frame pieces for the YFCR, so that I can have like a little display. And I have done the pieces different colors, mm -hmm. you know like a satin black and a gloss black and a, and a, and a blue, you know, so that um, we can show the customers, you know, the different colors that, that they have choices from, not just for the Yamahas, but for, for multiple other things, you know, we bolt our bumper on there and, and, you know, set of flex bars and, and the steering dampener, things like that, just, just for that reason. And um, I've collected all of those pieces from, damaged frame stuff and fixed it all hmm all the aluminum pieces the aluminum pieces the steel i had a steel bottom rail that was bent and twisted and we straightened it all lined it all up made sure that it was all correct fitted it with a machine that was in good working condition so that it we bolted it in made sure it was correct took it out and and put the machine back together uh, you know, just because I wanted to put it together correctly instead of having it sit off or or not look correct, you know, when you put a bumper on it and stuff. Right. So, yeah, I love that. I, I hated it at first because I thought, oh, it's going to break. It's going to come apart. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. And it's actually a really Yamaha did a great job putting that together. Yeah, they did. I, I like it. I would have never, I would have in 09 to, you know, quite a ways down the road, I would have never said that was okay. Right. And now being that I've spent more time with it. Yeah. It's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Hey, have you ever put a precision dampener in, in a YFZ where the radiators in the stems already in and everything? <laughs> this is going to sound bad no because i don't oh. use the product really oh well they're, they're a pain in the butt <laughs> that's i think that's the one thing i can say that a, a honda's easier to work on is just installing a steering dampener on it uh it's a little more open in that front end but uh because I, I was thinking is there any negatives to working on those compared to probably the hondas which i work on a ton um and that's probably the only downside to working on yamahas compared to to the hondas that i can think of oh there's one extra valve i mean that's air that's, intake 
putting the air intake on when the frame rails are all in place is a pain in the ass. Uh, eh, a carburetor or a throttle body? Eh, they're, uh, I, I would say they're equal. I'd say equal, but. Well, when you put the motor in the, in the frame, you know, you have to put the motor in and then put your, your, your uh, injector body in, but to put the boot from the injector body to the, the, the air box or however you're running it, that's kind of a pain in the ass to connect for like FCI is the one that I use most commonly and mm -hmm. I have the least amount of issues with, but it's still a pain in the ass to put on compared yeah. to when I put a Honda carburetor on, dude, it's in, in the back, boots on, push it in, done. I mean, it's done that fast. Yeah. Uh Geez, most of the Hondas I work on now have have dirt bike motors in them. Yeah, so it's totally different. And, yeah. And unfortunately, oh. on wood, I'm going to get to build my first hybrid Honda very, very soon. So Really? Yeah. That's exciting. You know what? That's loading, loading Yamahas onto the dyno a little bit harder than the Hondas. Uh and I was like, oh, they're they're a little bit heavier, but maybe that's why they feel so planted for these riders. Just a lower center center of gravity, all the weight at the bottom, because um, the motor is bigger, especially that bottom end. Um, but then, so when I when I had this idea that the that the Yamahas were heavy, uh, some guy brought in an LTR to dyno, and when I had to lift that thing up. Uh, I still haven't scheduled my hernia surgery, but uh, I'm mm. making sure his bike's running right before I go and get that fixed. <laughs> They're heavy. The LTRs are heavy. So in, in, the, in the playing that I've done, you know, thinking that the LTR is, is that much heavier, it should, we should shave some weight off of it and it'll get faster and better. Well, it's designed that way on purpose. And speaking to some of the people that were involved with that project, I understand it. Mm -hmm. uh, I still think they could have shaved, you know, 20, 25 pounds off of it. It would have been nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, and you're thinking, well, 20, 25 pounds isn't that much. Well, that's um, 25 pounds is three point some horsepower. Right. Yeah. You know? That's a, that's substantial. Yeah. One horsepower in an ATV is astronomical compared to a motorcycle where it doesn't make the same, it's not the same uh, end game with the, what the horsepower does. Yeah. Your ATVs, when you're splitting hairs with it, with, with horsepower, that's driving to the first turn, you know, like Joel Hetrick weighs, you know, 140 soaking wet and Chad Weenan's 195. Dude, Chad's giving away X number of horsepower right there. Yeah. But yeah, well, the only way, well, Chad got the whole two whole shots at Pleasure Valley, but it, it was wet out. It was a concrete start. So we got to smoke the tires and then going into the dirt, it's wet. And I think Chad, that extra traction uh, helped him. Where normally on a dry track, Joel's, Joel doesn't need that much grip. And it, the, the quad just floats and he, gosh the that kid can hold shot like like a madman uh 
oh yeah, I'm getting off topic again, but it was, it was so good to start out front at the last race. I'm still kind of very happy about that. Well, you start talking about weight transfer and things like that. The Yamaha weight transfers outstanding and and you know we're talking about how it sticks and rails through the turns and it stays fairly level you know mm -hmm. that's, that's all designed into it that transmission that they built for it is outstanding it is it is i mean we we do after every round we're we're doing top ends just kind of like reseating valves just to make sure everything's tip top um but we Sometimes when we split the low, the bottom end, we don't find anything. And it's like, well, we, we didn't have to do this. You have to look. Um, but you realize that you're wasting your time when you split those things sometimes. They're, they're bulletproof. And if you're, not, if you're not at 60 horsepower, you can get by a long time on those bottom ends. Right. And, you know, the top ends are actually super durable as well. You know, you got your your endurance guy racers that are running not not near the compression that you guys do, but you know if they're running thirteen and a half, close to fourteen to one, and they're running a you know a twelve hour race, or let's say they're doing an endurance race, you know Baja one thousand something like that, it'll run the whole moto. I mean, you don't want to run that much compression in a desert race, but you're running you know let's say thirteen to one. Yeah, that thing will live the, for that thousand miles, no problem. Yeah, you know, uh, and your Hondas are living that that well as too. But you're never going to ride that Honda until you pull the motor out of the frame and check the transmission because it's junk. Yeah, yeah, unless you got built gears and everything in it, but it's... they break. They break too. Yeah, they will. Yeah, yeah they. they... They do clack a lot harder when you're going into gear. Um, I was like, oh yeah, and something about those those three intake valves. Bryce Ford, when he quit, when his his bike quit at Pleasure Valley, the first moto, the moto he won, um, he pulled the air filter off and got at the fire, and he raced half that moto with no air filter in the mud. <laughs> and Mark said. There was wood chips in his throttle body and he was still going. And he was, I thought I'm, with the, he was on the rev limiter with no air filter in the rain. Whoa, just bonsai in every jump. It was like Nick DeNoble last year at Ironman. I was just looking, I'm like, what is he doing? He's, he's a crazy person. And then he goes out and wins the moto. Um, but yeah, those, those motors are tough. I can't. I, I can't wait to hear the report. Mark's probably already got it apart, but I would have loved to have known how much wear factor went into that engine after running it with that much muck through it. You know? uh, <clears throat> he has he has pictures. I tore that motor apart last week. Uh, his second, really his second. Oh, it's, I might have pictures on my phone, but you should you should talk to Mark and do a short with him. Um, but. The left and right intake ports were uh, noticeably dirty. Uh, shit, when I when I pulled Chad's when I, we pulled Chad's motor, there's pink mud in there because the mud and water pick up the oil from the K&N filter. Right. So you see all the pink mud caked out throughout the intake and everything. Oh, it, it was nasty. That was a very nasty race. Yeah, and that just goes right down into the crank. And yeah, 
destroys the. I mean, if you were going to give the Yamaha weak link, that's what I would say is the weakest part. Is what? The crank. The stock cranks are the. I would, you know, yeah, we know that the 14 up clutches have issues, but that is what it is. But that crank in a performance setup is your weakest link. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in stock format, you guys don't generally use the stock format. So, no, well, we have a local track close to here that people run stock cranks. And uh, we redid a bottom end for a customer. This is like two weeks ago. And they took it out. And like within three hours, uh, they threw the rod. And, th and they said, Well, is it warranted? <laughs> no uh like it just happens i mean that's that's racing things go out um but i i would say i mean the crank is that's a pretty big deal if it's a, a crank is their weakest link but there's not a lot of weak links on that bike so um if yeah, we're, talking we, passing, we're talking I mean, weak, we're talking a weak link where i've watched the oil filter come out of a machine full of metal shavings uh -huh. Flush the oil twice, put a fresh oil filter in it, fresh oil in it, and it go out and run a two-hour moto. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're still they're they're good bikes. Um, the, I'm trying to think of regular problems. the The fuel pumps, the fuel pumps. Sometimes electrical uh, connector on the fuel pump will come off from landing hard on a jump. So before. Like every build we do, we solder the wires on inside when you pull the, the fuel pump out of the fuel tank and we actually solder those on so they don't come off. I've had people, uh, you know, come over, my bike ain't running anymore, just died on the track. And normally that's what it is. Um, the axle nuts will come loose. They'll come loose and I'll tighten the crap out of them, put all four set screws in with Loctite and they'll come loose again. Then other times... I'll tighten up a guy's axle nut, no Loctite. I'll just tighten the set screws and the thing won't come loose. Um, so I, though, that gets checked after every time on the track. Um, and that's not, that, but that's not a big problem, like at all. Um, and I, if I was going to have to give the Yamaha a grade, I, I'd probably say an A, they, an A, and that's, if if you're gonna give a 250R an A plus for the best ATV ever, I, I would say then the the YFZ 450 at least gets an A because it's 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 probably actually the greatest quad ever built right now. Um, but as far as popularity and longevity, the 250R is probably still king. I would I would have that argument with you and 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 could argue either side for either machine mm -hmm. because the 250r was only built for four years and it and it's still being developed today you know you can build a complete 250r aftermarket right now right and you can't build a complete yamaha 450r but the aftermarket companies haven't had to go out and develop cases and trannies and things because the manufacturer's still making it. So 
from if they stopped in 24, you got 10 years. So you're going to 34 before they stop making parts. Right. So next year is the last year Honda has to provide parts for the 06 up model 450R Honda or 450ER Honda. And here's the problem. They've already stopped. There's already certain pieces that for the TRX 450ER that you're struggling to buy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a shame because that's like as far as the amateur classes, there's there's a lot of Hondas out there still. And I mean, it sucks that Honda's basically forcing people to go buy a Yamaha. <laughs> but I mean, that's a that's a conversation that we can have um, because I hear I hear things for the amount of people that I get to talk to. I hear things all the time, which I'm sure that Mark hears rumblings for the amount of people that he knows, you know, and he gets to talk to the Yamaha guys. I get to talk to a little bit of everybody. And Mm -hmm. from some sources, there is a 450 coming from what I hear. From Honda? Can't tell you a manufacturer. From somebody. Well, Honda R&D is right down the road from us. And uh, our ex-employee works there. So when he was going to school for engineering, he worked at Baldwin Motorsports. And uh, like he, he still, he'll, he'll still come up and talk to us sometimes and stuff like that. Um, he still talks to the lowly ATV people? He does. He was, he was actually part, part of the team that was doing the Honda Talon when that was in uh, R&D form. Um, and then there was photos leaked. And uh, I think we sent him the leaked photos and he said, like, he was like, where'd you get that? Because <laughs> they weren't supposed to be out to the public yet, but things, things get out sometimes. And I think sometimes the companies want there to be a little bit of buzz because if it's a total secret, you're not creating a buzz, you know, it's Honda almost like a underground commercial. Honda doesn't want that. No. Well, you're involved in the 0405, the 04 debacle on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. That you know, obviously Mark and Tim were way ahead of the curve with everybody else than everybody else, but we got one out here on the West Coast before it was finalized, um, and it got transferred in the back of a pickup truck. Oh, so people were walk- looking at it, and 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 this is transferred in the back of the pickup truck with product built on it before you could buy it okay and 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 then it's in another guy's shop building product for it and the photos got out and all of those companies involved were i would say blackballed from them Hmm. because that tie that we had we didn't have anymore right they were pissed they were super yeah. and well, the, the best the bonus for us was the moment that they you could roll it off the showroom floor i already had parts mm-hmm. i'm already built on the shelf ready to go and, yeah but in the, the negative is i didn't get that nod for the newer model you know so we had to wait and for any of the other stuff that has been done with them. We didn't get the nod either. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I, I know when the 05 came out, the 05 came out, uh, I was doing all the shipping at Baldwin Motorsports then, and I was shipping out like 30, 28 to 35 boxes a day, pipes, carburetor kits, just everything you can imagine. Like the, the way the industry moved back then, just how much stuff that we were sending out the doors, like we couldn't, we couldn't keep up. And there was like four or five of us working there at the time. I mean, now it's just me and Mark. Um, and we, we, me and him do a lot of work. I'm doing a lot more wrench turning. I don't touch the shipping anymore, but um, it seems like we have to put, we have to install the parts now. Uh, where back then people were doing it in their garages, like just pipes and just cams and everything just going out the door because pe- people were building those new Hondas. Um, I mean, that it's a little bit different now because you can't just change a jet, you know, on a Yamaha because it's fuel injected. You need to get the thing tuned. Um, you can do your whole build, but you're not riding it until you tune it anyway. We could have that conversation too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it, depends on, it all depends on what you believe. And I've ridden so many machines where I've taken a Vortex, plugged them in, set the fuel trim and picked the ignition curve and ridden them. And they're awesome without putting them on a dyno. And yeah. then you can talk to the dyno guys and see where their theory falls in place. And, you know, I, res- I respect all of the different theories, but I do so many units where I don't put them on a dyno. That was mm-hmm. the selling feature for the Vortex was you don't need a laptop. You don't need a dyno. The average, right. Joe, the average Joe. Yeah. One, 2% guys. We're talking the average guy can put a pipe and an air filter in his bike and put a Vortex in it, set the fuel trim and the ignition curve and go ride. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to gain enough on the dyno to justify the money for the dyno. Right. But oh, now, yeah. let's talk about the Weenans and the Fords and the all the other guys that are racing at the professional level or the pro-am level. Yes, they're going to gain from it massively because you have motor packages that the Vortex can't cover. You have a second injector. You have things that are just you need you need better you need a better ignition curve or acceleration curve or a fuel mapping uh, set up to uh you know work with your modifications right well well that's the thing we'd like to be even like all your fuel trims low bin high at five to start the day and then if it it gets muggy or gets cool out or something then then we'll, we'll tinker around even like chad and i mess with that stuff throughout the day but uh yeah with those extreme builds with the cams and everything um the tuning is important but uh, there was a local kid here with like he had he had hot cams in his bike a pipe on it and he he didn't have the thing tuned he would he just had a vortex on it we tinker around with the uh with the trims but yeah that was but no no second injector or anything and he was right. like he was racing b class then so uh yeah yeah they did just fine and, and, then, and then his rod went 
That's what they do with the vortex. <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I've only got to talk to Jaime. I only get to talk to Jaime occasionally, uh-huh. uh, unfortunately. Um, and and our, I don't think our relationship started out technically the, probably the way it should have. Um, mm-hmm. So I could go back in time and and you know restart that. Um, but that guy, the more I do talk to him, and the more that I learn about some of the stuff he does. He is a smart dude. And he is. Man, I think that the people that are trying to do what he does without him, yeah, good luck, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because there's just people I'll just immediately just go, no, you want to call this guy. Don't. I'm not that guy. This guy is. He's going to fix it. He's going to tell you what to do and, and, you know, call that guy because there's things that he does that I'm just, I, I'm not, I'm never going to be able to do. I just, I don't have the same knowledge of it at that level that he does. Not even, mm-hmm. close. not even going to, not even going to think to argue with that guy. Just going to go, okay, you win, <laughs> you know? All right. Yeah. What, what do you say? Let's just, okay, let's move forward because I'm not going <laughs> to, I can't, I, I don't even have any bullets in my gun to argue. Yeah. Just, you know? <laughs> I, when we were, when we were, we were testing for Thomas Brown for three days straight. And I think Mark was on a phone call and, uh, we, we were testing all these different pipes, all these different packages with different, you know, port styles and all this cams and everything. <laughs> well, Mark was on a phone call and I was, I asked Jaime, I said, Hey, did you put a Baldwin pipe on this yet? He's like, yeah, Mark doesn't have one. And I was like, well, I got, I got a TRX. Uh, mid pipe to fit on a Yamaha. So then I, I mounted up a full Baldwin exhaust on this Yamaha and Jaime ripped it on the dyno and it, <laughs> it made decent power, but uh, I didn't, I didn't have the eyes that I do now for, you know, what could go wrong. Well, I melted the, uh, the brake, the, the, uh, the brake rear brake reservoir where it holds oh. all the, the mid pipe melted it. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, Michael, put this on. It made decent power. <laughs> Michael, you just melted Thomas's uh, brake reservoir. There's brake fluid everywhere, all over the dyno. <laughs> How long did it take you to get out of the doghouse? Uh, it was probably like an hour to fix it. So as long as you fix that, what you break, you're fine. Yeah, that's kind of the way that it, it, it's always been in, in yeah. our world. Is- you broke it. You fix it. You know. Oh, you yeah. wanted to leave at five? Um, sorry. You know, you gotta care that mess you made. Yeah. That the elevate the evolution of that machine, the Yamaha, is in- incredible. And uh, you know, we even have to go back to the beginning uh, with Bill Balance and some of those guys that were doing some testing before the vortex was sellable to the general public um mm-hmm. they got their hands on a box and um well actually they got our hands on the only one that we had in the country um we were bill was working with paul turner and we sent him back a box and he played with it and then him and richard got connected and uh that that helped things but there was no 
there was nobody like Jaime uh, doing it for a number of years. I guess when did Jaime start? He started in like 15, 16? Uh, PB tuning? Yeah. Well, we- uh, I, I don't know what year he started doing the tuning, but he was, when Josh Upperman was racing the work series, Jaime was his, he was like mechanic. He was working on his stuff. Yeah, but I'm uh, like, talking about the PEP tuning portion. Yeah, the actual tuning part. So we were doing Thomas's in 2017, so it had to be before that. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was because he was working with the Geico Honda uh, team with the Honda, with the Honda guy there learning the system on how to tune the bikes. And that's back into the what early 2010 11 12 13 range uh-huh and that was before it had to have been the 12 13 range cuz cuz Tomac was still riding uh for the 250s back then hmm. yeah so he was getting his education on it uh there was a young man i forget his name and not even a young man that worked for the Geico Honda deal that was friends with Richard and that guy I remember, I know we're so off topic. Um, that guy was tuning for variables in humidity by the fraction and temperature. Mm-hmm. So when they went and raced in the heat in Texas at the Nationals, mm-hmm. he would go through his chart with his curves and download the curves in the box for the heat that they were riding in with the humidity levels. Right. And I'm sure that's a, that's a real, real lean one for when they're in Colorado and yeah, all that stuff. But that's cool that the Vortex, like you could have that many tunes on there. There's what, nine different tunes you can have? Ten. 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 Oh, I forgot about zero. Yeah, and it also changed the fuel parameters. So you know, if five is our middle point, you know everything below five is lean. Everything above five is 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 rich, and and five is your baseline, right? Yeah. You could also go in and change that so that you could move it down to three is your baseline, so that you could add more fuel all the way to zero. So you could have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and zero as your jet sizes in each dial if you wanted to you could even go down to two or one because if you never wanted to be leaner based on the information you have you could always set it up that way yeah yeah and then we we have the uh the the little switch on the handlebars that turns the second injector off and then it'll switch to a different curve without without the second injector uh so if that thing gets plugged up or starts failing um, you could just flip the switch and then you're running regular uh, single injector mode, but that's how they're programmed. So if there's a problem, hit the switch and bam, you're you're fine. You're good to go. You're you're missing a little bit of power, but you're still up plenty. You can still win a race. Yeah, because you know, if you got into an era or an area of where you're having an issue, it's just like having a, a second ignition in a race truck. You know, yeah. the switch where they have a complete 
separate coil ignition coil and and all the stuff there to switch to the a new brain and they just flip a switch and they're on the secondary brain and the thing never slows down and never misses a beat yeah i mean there's so many cool features for the vortex on there and the fuel injection that when we were riding carbureted machines what you had is what you had when it left the green when it left the starting line dude you didn't have any options right yeah with the uh you ever had uh fuel boiling in the hondas yeah i've seen it in the fuel injected yamahas too oh really i i haven't seen it in the in the yamahas yet but it happened quite a bit with the hondas so yeah that's a whole conversation that we could get into as well in you know the developments and the and the we solved it on the West Coast because you only have it at a higher elevation out here with the heat. Mm-hmm. When you and then you make an adjustment to the fuel mix, not the tuning. Well, you're going to change the tuning anyways, but you change your fuel mix as far as what gases that you're mixing together for your particular elevation and heat. And that stops it from turning into mist before it gets into the carburetor. So, and that's what we've learned out here on the West Coast. On the East Coast there again, it's totally different. And then we've even had fuel differences and fuel problems in in Europe. Oh, really? Yeah, I think we're, yeah, I think next week, no, right after the next round, which is in, down by Columbus, Ohio. The next round is down there, Briarcliff. Um, I think we're doing the tuning for the uh, Team USA bikes right after that. I th- I'm pretty sure Jaime's coming out to our shop for that. Him and his, he's flying out to Cleveland right before that round. He'll probably come to that race and then come back to the shop afterwards when we have everything. Because I think that's where I'm picking up Chad's bike. And that uh, Joel's bike will probably come here also after that round. That's what I've been told. Yeah. And I, um, we were in South America running the Dakar stuff and going from country to country, the fuel is different. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember if it was Lima, Peru, or, or if, I don't remember if it was Peru or, um, Argentina. No, not Argentina. The, um, Chile. I think it's Chile. The fuel mm-hmm. is no. It's it's got to be Peru. The fuel is red and oily. Really. And then you go across the border, and you're getting a green fuel that's not as oily. And then when you're in Chile, the fuel's even a little more different. Uh, but that oily fuel caused some issues. In right. Right. Um, and you, you almost you almost couldn't tune for it because you didn't know we didn't know everything that was going on. We just know that the machine wasn't performing correctly. Right. It hot, but it ran like shit. <laughs> you know, and you pull you, you, you I'm serious. You get it out and you have the red stuff in your hand, and then you have oil. And it's just, it separates 
and it, it's just the weirdest stuff. You, you'd have had to seen it to really understand it. Uh, the gas that we got in um, Dubai, in the middle of the in the middle of the sand dune flats where we were at, there's a gas pump, and when you smelt it and felt the texture, it felt just like C12. It probably was. Ninety nine cents a gallon too. <laughs> free. It was free. Oh, uh, what? Take anything you want out of there. Oh, <laughs> uh, you want this gallon of water? That's ten bucks. All right. Yeah, the water was super expensive, and the gas was free. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, un unbelievable stuff. But Michael. As always, brother, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And and I think Chad Weenan has got one hell of a guy working with him. And Mark Baldwin is blessed to have you. So uh, anytime you want to come back on the show, which we're probably definitely going to talk before you leave to go to Italy and when you come back, um, because that's I'm so excited for you guys. I think it's great. And um, I'm super jealous, just so you know. We're uh, we're leaving on the 30th of September. So um, anytime before that, I will come on and I'll probably have more details about the whole thing also. So we'll, we'll definitely talk to you before the 30th of, of September. Maybe I can get you, Mark, and, a, and another to come on and we can just have a three-way conversation about it and let everybody get filled in on what's going on. And maybe we can get inside Mark's noodle a little and have him talk some strategy, tell us how it's going to go, you know? Ooh, we should. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll do some eavesdropping and we'll just we'll work, work, work on some real good questions for him. Well, you know, we got him. We got him to come on that Instagram live last year. And uh, you know what? I pressure him a little more to come on the show. But I know how busy, I mean, you tell me how busy you guys are. And, and the last thing I want to do is put stress on him to sit down and give me an hour of his time. You, you wait till right after Loretta's. That's when he, he, he hasn't exhaled since uh, probably June. So wait till after Loretta's when he exhales on the way home and then ask him. And, and I'll, it, I'll twist his arm and tell him, come on, let's do it. It was fun last time. It was fun when me, him and Jim did it. So we should do it again. Yeah, I think I, I, it's always fun to talk to Mark, you know, because Mark and I were actually coming into our own at similar time in the industry. Uh-huh. So we were both kind of green way back. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember being at Loretta's the first time I heard Mark Baldwin's name. And this is back when Timmy Farr was, you know, just still a kid. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't beaten Denton yet, but he was he was fast. He was noticed very no very notable, you know. Yeah. Oh, hey, you better watch this guy. He's something to he's somebody, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of history there, brother. A lot of history. Yeah. But okay. hey, as always, man, thank you so much. And again, congratulations on the nod for the team USA. It, it, it's an honor. And uh, like I said, I truly am jealous because it's just one of those things that you would get to do in your career. And um, trust me, I've got to do a lot of amazing things, but uh, representing my country at, at a race like that, man, that would, that's the end all be all right there. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm very, very fortunate. Uh, but I, I think I picked the right pro rider to work for. So, yes, you did. Yes, you yeah. Did. So uh, make sure you tell everybody I said hello. And again, thank you so much. Um, I'll be reaching out to you in the next few days because I'm going to need some things from you to okay. get a seven-day promotion instead of a one-day promotion. <laughs> All right, that works. Awesome, brother. Hey, would you hold on for me for a second? Yeah. Yeah, hey. sure. That's awesome, sir. Awesome. Yeah. The, the, the conversation was great. We bounced around <laughs> more than I wanted to, but it was freaking great. So don't, thank you. So don't much. we don't we always bounce around? Yeah, because there's like I we need like a five hour conversation time. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, every time we get off talking, I'm like, what are we even talking about? <laughs> I appreciate your time, brother. And and you keep up the amazing work. Quit quit the cancer sticks because I, those are bad for you. I will. Haven't you seen my Billy Big Rigger videos? Yes, I have. And you know Ooh. what? The last time I talked to you on the video, you said you were going to quit smoking. Oh, yeah. I, I want to. I still want to. <laughs> <laughs> I will. It'll it'll happen one of these days. Not a problem. Uh, it'll, hey, it'll have to be in the off season. Right. Anytime you have anything that you want to talk about, you know you are 100% welcome anytime, brother. Um, I, I don't care if you want to talk about, you know, daisies popping up in the yard, whatever it is, you're welcome and, and I'll put you on. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. If you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program, a custom ATV, or an industry guest speaker, I have the company for you. Duncan Technologies International Inc. offers host, MC, and guest speaking services at events. Builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world. And they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to Duncan Tech International at gmail.com or call 619-716-1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. 